Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. In October of 2000, in the city of Houston, Texas, it has a population of over 2 million people. Two women are murdered within a few days of each other. But what makes this a true mystery? They share the exact same name. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of the murders of Mary Morris and Mary Morris. Somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are taking a break from the murderous happenings in Bardstown, Kentucky. That series is not complete by any stretch of the imagination. But we figured that uh, we would tease you a little bit with a double murder mystery. But before we do that, let's do our favorite part. Uh, We got some... We got a five-star review and a new patron. I know. It's our first review since November. Holla. Which is crazy because there should be so many more people praising us. Yes, worshiping the ground that we walk on. Exactly. Uh, This new patron just goes by the one name. We're not going to cover the five-star review. You're just going to skip right to the patron? Well, I was going to do patron. Then you could do five-star. But, I mean, if you want to do five-star since you're so excited, you go right ahead. I will. By Seahawk91. I I dig it. Five stars. Love this podcast, and I really enjoy listening to y'all's theories. Keep doing what you're doing, and go dogs. Parentheses, sorry, coach. Well, you know, he's he's got good taste. thought. I honestly thought my Georgia friends on Facebook would just become the most obnoxious people in the world, like hooting and hollering, but I I guess they decided to take the high road and be sophisticated. I don't know if it's that or if every Georgia fan out there is still under the impression that it might be a drink. You hear meowing, it's not me. (laughs) Sure, buddy. Sure, it's not. But our new patron just goes by the name of Matt. And he is at the $10 tier, $10 tier. 
So thank you, Matt, for your hard-earned Patreon dollars. And thank you for the five-star review. Those of you, I did get a screenshot about someone gave us a review on Spotify, but I, it would take me forever to find it. But I will shout you out on social media. for Thank you. Thank you. Any review out there is wonderful. Uh, we have figured out how to get music and Apple not lose their minds over it. So we are um, definitely going to try to get some more intro music. We are... We, I mean, since it's Houston, we have all my exes live in Texas. And Texas is the place I'd really love to be. All right. Well, there you go. It's a great damn song. It is. Do you have the box set when it came out? I bought it for my mom. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. I've got it somewhere. And then I bought yes. Garth Brooks's box set. I think that's the only two box sets I've ever bought. Those are two good ones. Yeah, they were. That's before Garth lost his mind. All right, let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the Mary Morris murders. We start off with Mary Lou Morris, and she was a 48-year-old loan officer at a Chase Bank in Houston, Texas. She was happily married to Jay Morris and was loved by many others. On the morning of October 12, 2000, Mary Lou said goodbye to her husband, Jay, and left for work. Throughout the day, Jay tried to call her, but she never answered or returned any of his calls, which was unusual of Mary Lou. So Jay began to worry. At around 5 p.m., he called her supervisor. To his surprise, they told Jay she had not been at work all day, and they had been trying to call her, and she wouldn't answer her phone. Jay knew immediately that something was wrong, and reported his wife missing. So around the same time that Jay calls the police, a man who had been driving down the highway reported a smoldering car near the road, not even three miles from where Mary Lou and Jay lived. Earlier that day, at around 10 a.m., someone had called the police and reported seeing smoke in the area. The fire department was called but did not respond stating that they believed it was a controlled burn in the area that the smoke was coming from. Now, when police arrived, they saw a body in the driver's seat, and it had been drenched in gasoline and set on fire. As a result, it was unrecognizable. They did, however, find a tooth which led to the body being confirmed as Mary Lou Morris. It was not possible to establish a cause of death as the fire destroyed any evidence. It was a clear-cut case of murder. Murder? You asked me what you did it, but I'm on here, so I need to talk at some point. Well, I'm pretty sure that you're not going to set your <laughs> you're not going to douse yourself in fire in gasoline and set your own car on fire. Not normally. You know, I've done a lot of crazy things in my life, but so far that, that ain't, ain't been, been one of them yet. Yeah, yeah, it's on the list. I mean, I can see it. Now, despite other valuables being in the car, only Mary Lou's wedding ring and purse were missing. Mary Lou's murder shocked those who knew her. She had been a kind and generous woman. No one could think of a reason some would want to hurt her, much less destroy her car and her in it. The following day, the Houston Chronicle received a strange call. The man on the other end stated, quote, they had got the wrong Mary Morris, end quote. 
This was a short-lived mystery, and three days later, the caller's statement would make more sense. Now, Mary McGinnis Morris was a 39-year-old nurse practitioner. She had a successful career working for a major industrial corporation and was in charge of various clinics. She was married to Mr. Mike Morris, and they had a daughter and also lived in Houston, Texas. Now, Mary McGinnis was a very friendly person. She loved her job and got along well with her colleagues. However, there was one exception. Don't we all have that one exception that we work with? I mean, every year in the old teaching, you know, arena, there's always that one teacher. You're like, oh, here we go. Asking questions. Uh There's plenty. I've worked with plenty. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So one of the newer employees at Mary McGinnis's job, his name was Dwayne Young, and he made Miss McG- or Mary McGinnis feel very uncomfortable and nervous. She told one of her best friends, Laurie Gamal, that she was certain he was capable of harming her. Now, according to Laurie, Mary McGinnis once found her desk unorganized and her picture frames faced the opposite direction with a handwritten note on a piece of paper that stated, death to her. Mary McGinnis was positive it had been Dwayne. The same day she found the threat, she asked her husband, Mike, to teach her how to use a gun so she could keep one in her car. Mike agreed and placed a gun, registered in his name, under the driver's seat of the car. That might come into play later. I don't know. It doesn't sound important to me. Oh, okay. Well, chalk it up to just me being on a whim. Okay. Okay. On October 16, 2000, Lori visited Mary McGinnis at one of her clinics to get a flu shot. While there, she told Lori she was going to finish up some work at the clinic, run some errands, and then go home and make dinner. But later that day, while Mary McGinnis was shopping at an Eckerd at US 290 and West Little York Road, she saw someone who made her feel uncomfortable. She immediately called her friend Lori and told her, quote, someone is giving me the creeps, end quote. Clearly frightened, Mary McGinnis told Lori she was going to quickly return to the office to turn off her computer, and then she was heading home. Just 12 minutes later, a disturbing call was made to the police. This call has never been released to the public as it contains Mary McGinnis being attacked, which has been deemed too disturbing by the police. Now, Detective Wayne Coleman of the Harris County Sheriff's Department stated, Quote, we're not releasing the contents of the tape. It covers the attack that happened to Mary, and anybody that's ever heard that tape has just had their blood chilled listening to it. It's a very chilling, disturbing call, end quote. Now, Mary McGinnis was later found in her car. She had been beaten and shot in the head. The killer had tried to make it seem like it was a suicide by placing the gun, remember, the same one that Mike had put under the driver's seat, on the passenger seat next to Mary. It was confirmed that the hidden gun was registered to Mike. Investigators focused first on Mr. Dwayne Young, the odd co-worker at Mary's clinic. He had quit his job after allegedly trying to discredit Mary. And I tried to find out what he had said, and I read all the message boards I could just about stand, and I could not find exactly what he was stating about her. 
but it must have been some kind of horrible. Well, I don't know a horrible. When it comes to nursing, heck, it could be anything. But anyway, uh, rumor is that detectives have evidence linking Dwayne to the crime, so he remains a suspect. And, I mean, you can take that for what you want. I mean, he, they may have circumstantial evidence, but if they had hard evidence, they would have arrested him, I believe, especially by now, 22 years later. Now, however, when investigators tried to question Mary's husband, Mike Morris, his behaviors raised some eyebrows. According to Detective Wayne Coleman, Mike refused to meet with them without an attorney. Quote, witnesses don't need attorneys. Suspects generally have attorneys, end quote. Now, that's the detective's stating that. So let us stop here and ponder this statement. Um, no, everyone needs an attorney because we all know what happened to those three young men in West Memphis when they didn't have an attorney president at the questioning. Let me tell you. Preach on I don't care if I get a speeding ticket. If I'm going to court, I'm going to court with a lawyer. If you want to... Go ahead, sorry. I'm not ever walking into a court of law without a lawyer. Period. And if you don't, and if you do, you're an idiot. I'm not being questioned by the popo without an attorney. It ain't happening. Oh, God, no. There's a, yeah, there's no interrogation. No. They're not going to be like, we're going to ask you a few questions. It'll be real simple. No. Well, as soon as my lawyer gets here. <laughs> yeah, we can ask all we want. Well, now, it's not that big a deal. We're not going to ask that. It's just a formality. It's going to be a formality with my lawyer. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Mike would go on record stating that he was only following the advice of some of his trusted friends. Those are good friends. They did not lead you astray. Now, Mike would say, quote, several of these people suggested that I take an attorney with me, not because I had anything to hide, but just to have somebody there with me that was familiar with the procedures of law enforcement, end quote. Now, suspicion against Mike became even greater when he refused to take a polygraph test and did not allow police to talk with his daughter. When detectives asked Mike to take a polygraph test, he refused. Quote, I was on anti-anxiety medications. I was on antidepressants. I wasn't really sure that the polygraph examination that they were talking about could adequately compensate for all those conditions. End quote. Now, this is in 2000. We know in 2022 that, yes, if you're on anxiety medica medications and antidepressants, it will have an adverse effect on the polygraph. So far, I know the detectives are stating he's being all shady, but to me, he's just being smart. Yeah, I don't see how you can say, well, that's very suspicious that you won't take a polygraph. Man, I ain't never taken a polygraph in my life. If I had taken 10 as practice, I still would say no. Yeah. You know how fucking nervous you'd be? Well, I mean, I'm sure you do. How nervous you'd be if they hook a polygraph up to you and start asking you questions about murder? Yeah, and it'd be in your wife? I'd be like, shit, man, I've been drunk before. <laughs> I could have. I don't know. Like, I doubt it. I don't think it's possible. Yeah, there's only one good thing that can come out of a polygraph, and that's if you pass it. And then if you do. Yeah, that's a big if. If you do pa pass it, they still going to tell you you didn't pass it to get you to get all nervous again. Yeah. There's nothing stopping them from going, well, you passed, but you were de very deceptive on a few, like, which ones? Yeah, exactly. One about my name? 
Yeah. My, my eye color? Because I really can't see my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I can't see my eyes. I don't know what damn color they are. <laughs> All right, so authorities had also learned about this time that Mike and Mary were having some serious, according to them, these are serious problems with their marriage. When Mike had heard rumors of an alleged affair between Mary and a family friend, he confronted them head on. And he states, quote, they both looked me in the eye and they both told me that there had been nothing inappropriate in their relationship. And I did not see any betrayal in their eyes, end quote. So he believed both of them. Now, that does not mean that their marriage was roses and unicorn rainbows farting everywhere. That's not the case. But when something like this happens, your entire marriage, your entire financial record, all of that shit's going to come into play. And there ain't nothing good going to come of it if you have financial records like myself. You know, student loan debt since I've been like 18. I mean, the judicial system is so scary. Yeah. You could walk in there, an innocent man, and if your lawyer screws up or whatever, you gone forever. Yeah. I read an article one time, this has been years ago, but I want to say it was like 2015. They estimated 30% of people serving several year sentences were innocent, and they were a victim of, of bad lawyers and bad, uh, you know, vindictive attorneys. It's so scary, and like, oh, it'll never happen to me. It can. Shit, it can in a heartbeat, brother. Nowadays, you're guilty until they prove you guilty, and if you get proven innocent, they still going to think you're guilty. I mean, ask the West Memphis Three. Damian Eccles was confident enough that he, in his innocence that he sat there smirking in court. Yeah, because he... Yeah, because Thinking he, it was all a joke. He thought there was no way they were going to pin this on him because he was nowhere near that place. And guess what? Exactly. He got put on death row. For years. Yeah. According to detectives, there was a question of motive. Uh, Detective Coleman said that Mary had a life insurance policy worth $700,000 in 2000. That equates to $1.2 million today. That's a chunk of change. That's a lot of motive. That's, the, that's, that's definitely motive. Now, he's on record stating, quote, there was a large amount of life insurance on Mary Morris, and Mike Morris was the sole beneficiary. There were a lot of reasons right there in the way of motive for Mr. Morris, end quote. Now, going back, though, to the detectives whining about he wasn't going to be there, he wasn't going to do questioning without his lawyer, and he wasn't going to uh, take a polygraph, they also threw shade at him for not letting the detectives talk to his daughter. But at the time, the daughter was 13. They don't have any business talking to my kid. Uh-uh. No. No. No, no, no. Not at all. Not a 13-year-old. No. She could be and pissed the off. The only way I would agree to that is if I'm present. With my, my lawyer. Lawyer's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. I am too. I'm not, I am not screwing around. No. Yeah, we're playing for keeps. And you better believe they are. Now, according to detectives... Oh, yeah. They the, ain't messing around. No. The most damning evidence against Mike was a call he made to Mary's cell phone two hours after Mary had made her desperate 911 call. According to Detective Coleman, the call lasted four minutes. 
Quote, this was, by all indications of the cellular telephone company, a completed call. What you have to wonder is, what did that phone call either set in motion or end? End quote. Now, Mike Mm. could not explain the call. He did try, and he states, quote, normally the cellular service would have kicked in and said that the party you are calling was unavailable. I did not get that. I do not know why I did not get that, but as long as the phone was ringing and I thought that there was a possibility that she would answer it, I let it ring, end quote. But here's the thing. Those... I've been on Mike's side until now, but you're going to let a phone call ring. You're going to let a cell phone call ring for four minutes. But the way that maybe he was was worried, maybe he was curious as to why his wife, who answered the phone every time he called, suddenly didn't answer the phone. No, I I can see that part. But what I guess give the man the benefit of the doubt. I understand that part of it, but I'm not going to let it ring for four minutes. I'm going to keep calling. Like, I'll let it ring, and then I'll hang up and try again. I'll let it ring ten times. I'm just not going to let it ring. I, yeah, just me personally. That's, yeah. That's you personally, right. and that's, that's me personally. I would do the same. But we can't think of this. We can't get in this man's mind. True, true. The one thing... Crucify him on that alone. <laughs> I'm not crucifying him. I'm just saying it was a little odd. Uh, it is a little odd. I'll I'll admit that's odd, but maybe that's how they do it in Texas. Well, maybe. But here's the thing: the way I read the article, and then I've got a quote from Detective Coleman that I'll follow up after my little statement here. The way I read the article, the cell phone company stated that the call was like completed like someone answered it that it was not ringing for four straight minutes like someone yeah. the call was picked up and so that's yeah, and they're gonna make an assumption that he was speaking to some sort of professional killer right and uh detective coleman says quote i don't accept that mike made this phone call and that the phone rang for four minutes it's not possible the question is who answered the phone on the other end that's what the big question is and what did they talk about for four minutes end quote well detective that's a good question yeah my thing is if he had left out it's not possible it would have made a lot more sense it is possible for you to let a phone ring for four minutes just takes a lot of willpower i don't have that kind of willpower i get bored with the ring that's how this, How many rings do you think that is? God, I don't know. How many is it? Probably a ring every second. You think a, a full second gives you a ring? and Well, probably two seconds, a ring and a pause. Yeah, a ring and a pause. So you're, you're talking two, three seconds. So let's, ju- so let's go conservative. It's three seconds. You're looking at 20 rings per minute, four minutes. That's 80 rings that you have to listen I'm to. I'm glad you're a math teacher because I'd, I'm sitting here like, uh. <laughs> Carried one, man, multiply man, by man, four. Man, right <laughs> man, I'm going to have to get out my calculating book. Uh, my abacus. Yeah, you got to dust it off. We got a user. So I guess, I guess it is that, that I guess that's the only thing so far. That four minute phone call is odd. And then his account letting it ring, him saying he let it ring for four minutes, I just find odd. I'm not saying that it can't be done. A lot of people out there probably can let the phone ring forever. I'm not one of them people. 
So now Mike firmly denies any involvement in Mary's death. Quote, I had absolutely nothing to do with the arrangement of Mary's murder. It's a hurtful insinuation. It's absolutely untrue. End quote. This one statement right here, that first that sentence. It does seem like an odd wording. Yes. That, I don't think I would purposely make it that way. That's me too. That's what everyone that throws him under the bus hinges on. They hang their hat on that first sentence. I had absolute, absolutely. I had absolutely. I had absolutely nothing to do with the arrangement of Mary's murder. That, that one word. And it's always if, one thing. If he's guilty, you know in his mind he was like, damn it! Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I had just said <sighs> if I had just said I had nothing to do with her murder, it would nothing would have happened. Yeah, exactly. Like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know I would have. The questions remain, and there's several, really. Why were Mary McGinnis Morris and Mary Lou Morris murdered and who killed them. Also, why was there a four-minute phone call made to Mary McGinnis's cell phone? Now, some think a contract killer was hired to murder the second Mary Morris and killed the first Mary Morris by mistake. Now, what people think happened is that a hitman killed both women, supposedly they're out to get Mary McGinnis, but accidentally, like I said, kill Mary Lou. Now, that would explain how two women with a lot of characteristics in common were murdered three days apart. It would also explain why a seemingly straightforward person like Mary Lou Morris would be murdered. Unlike Mary Lou, Mary McGinnis was, according to some, having troubles in the home, and as a result, the main suspect is her husband, Mike, who is believed... I mean, that's just natural, though. It's always the husband, but, I mean, again, what about the other guy at work, you know? Now, he has been cleared... Mike has been cleared of actually committing the murder of Mary McGinnis because he, at the time of her death, he was actually at the movies with his teenage daughter. I guess my question is, the daughter is now in her mid-30s at least. I've not seen anywhere out there if anyone's tried to contact her to see if she can remember anything from that day at the movies. Did he, you know, did he step out? Was he gone for five or six minutes? Did he use a cell phone in the theater? That kind of thing is, is I guess, my, my question. I know for a fact that that'll get you into a fight. Using a cell phone in a movie theater? Yeah, you can trust me on that. Okay. Okay. I'll take <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Now yeah, another please do. <laughs> another piece of information that supports this theory was Mary McGinnis's wedding ring not being found on her or in her car. The hit gone wrong theory is also supported by the fact that the wedding ring of Mary Lou Morris was also missing from her crime scene. Now, Marilyn Blaylock, who I have no idea who she is, says that she heard that this is how hit men prove they've completed a job. Quote, if someone had put a hit out on a person, that's what they'd take back to show that they actually killed that person. End quote. And that's pretty, that's pretty smart. That's a pretty smart way of doing things. It is. 
Now, but um, also when the cops investigate and they're like, "This is a married woman. Well, where's her wedding ring?" Well, then I, that's very suspicious yeah. as well. So now, allegedly, a family friend stated that they had witnessed Mike's daughter wearing the ring sometime after the funeral, and Mike would claim that they had later found it in her jewelry box. But again, like you said, that's still odd that she's not wearing it the day of her death. Now, despite a lot of evidence suggesting Mike had the biggest reason to have his wife killed, her co-worker who made her anxious, Mr. Dwayne Young, is still a main suspect. During investigation, it was discovered that Dwayne had tried to discredit Mary not once, but several times. After unsuccessfully doing so, he quit his job as a nurse at that clinic. Dwayne has been very vocal on social media. He denies any involvement and blames Mike and Lori, her friend, for her murder. Now, the reason for him quitting his job basically has never, he's never stated what he quit for. Some say Mary McGinnis showed the threatening note left on her desk to her superior and they fired him. Others think he was tired of the accusations and wanted to just get away from the situation. It would be awful hard unless they have cameras pointing at her desk or see him go in and out of her office for them to really pin that on her, him, like writing that note. Now, detectives also looked at the possibility that the two murders were connected, and Detective Robert Torrey stated, quote, well, with the remoteness of the location where the victim was found, as well as the effort that was taken to destroy the evidence and the vehicle, that would be consistent with a contract killing. But with the background of the victim, that doesn't seem likely, end quote. Now, that detective is referring to Mary Lou Morris. Now, Detective Wayne Coleman would state, quote, that the first Mary Morris was a mistake, a missed hit, a botched hit, something like that, there is not anything we found that would support that, end quote. Now, detectives continued to search for any clues that might connect the two Mary Morses, but came up empty. They later concluded that the murders were a bizarre, remote coincidence. However, many others, including Mary Lou Morris's husband, Jay Morris, think that's virtually impossible. Quote, the astronomical odds that two Mary Morses were killed three days apart, very similar in looks to me, that's what it is. Astronomical odds that they are not connected, end quote. I've looked at their, you know, they've got that picture on, I think it's unsolved.com. They have a picture of their two pictures side by side. They have the same hair, but they really, and I know people are going to pick this apart, but they really don't look that much alike, not in my opinion, but I know that the argu the counter argument to that is if it's a professional hitman, supposedly they have a picture and they're just looking for the picture. But I don't buy yeah. that either. If they were professional, they would have kind of scoped out the situation and known where they were most vulnerable without the prying eyes of the public. I, that's the way I feel. Well, here's the thing is I believe that wholeheartedly. I think this reeks of redneckery. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what Somebody I was, yeah. Just, hey, man, if I gave you a couple thousand dollars, you kill this lady for me? Sure, yeah. what's her name? And sure enough, killed her. And then, man, that ain't her. <laughs> yeah. Called him and said it's done. And he's like, nope, she just pulled up in the driveway there, slick. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, uh, she's sitting next to me when we're eating fried chicken. 
Yeah, one of so, the one of the theories online was that that's this does not. They said that this does reek of maybe a hit gone wrong, but they said that this is not a true contract killing in the sense that the someone hired a professional because a professional would not make this a mistake. Professional is exactly that. A professional. Yeah. They're not gonna kill the wrong lady. No, 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 no. But I do like the fact that the uh, first or the detective in Mary Lou's case said that her being set on fire is hallmarks of a contract killing. And there's a lot of drugs that come out of Houston. If you don't think so, that corridor between Houston and Florida, where you go through Louisiana, yeah, there's a lot of drugs everywhere. Yes, there is. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, Laurie Gamel. I, I guarantee you, between where you and I are. Oh, sh- yeah. Between the between exit, us between the, is the flying J. Between the exit where you used to live and the exit you live now, that's a corridor on 75, and has been yeah. for years. But yeah, and like in between that, how many truck stops? Four, five. It, well, the Flying J in uh, Resaca, where the two people disappeared. Yeah, and don't you have another one across the street? No, not not across the street from that one. It's on its own. But oh, okay. yeah, there's a Bucky's, bro. Bucky's is pretty there's nice. Bucky's though. on exit three ten. You tell me, you can't score something there. Well, there's one of them uh, crazy gas station truck stops across from the Quick Trip, right down from three ten, where you used to live. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Laurie Gamel agrees, quote, I can't help but think that they have to be related. I can't imagine that two women with the same name would be murdered within three days of each other, both found in their cars, and not have that be related, end quote. Now, according to police, both Dwayne Young and Mike Morris have not been ruled out as suspects. The only thing is that Mike has been cleared of committing the murder because he has a pretty tight alibi at the time of the death since he is at the movies with his daughter. Now, another oddity in this case, as if you need it anymore, is that six months after the murders of Mary Lou and Mary McGinnis, Mary Lou's husband, Jay, received a strange bill a total of $2,000 for his wife's phone card. Now, police traced this card to a 16-year-old girl in Galveston, Texas. The teenager told police that her neighbor had given it to her. When they questioned the neighbor, the neighbor says she had found a purse in a convenience store parking lot roughly a month prior. In the purse, she sta- Yeah, in the purse, she stated that she found various personal belongings and a phone card. The odd thing is, when the purse was returned to Jay, no one recognized it as being Mary Lou's. So how did Mary Lou's phone card end up in another person's purse? That's a good question. If you have a business, you need a website. What's the best way to get a website up and running? Choose a website hosting company that makes it simple, like Pair Networks. Pair has over 20 years of experience managing the entire digital ecosystem for thousands of online businesses all around the world. Pair makes it easy for you with do-it-yourself website building tools and features, including simple drag-and-drop page design. And they have guaranteed U.S.-based support technicians ready to help you whenever you need it, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. 
Right now, when you sign up with Pair Networks, you'll receive one free month of web hosting. See for yourself how easy it is to build your website for free. Visit Pair.com slash free to get your first month of website hosting for free by using the code QUICKSTART, all one word. That's Pair.com slash free, promo code QUICKSTART to get started today. Now, it was also around this time that Jay received three strange phone calls. The person calling asked for Mary Lou. Jay, not knowing what he should say, simply told the person that she wasn't there at the moment. He then gave the caller the number of the Harris County Sheriff's Department, which I think is pretty smart on, on his end. When the man called them, he said, quote, oh, yeah, right, and hung up the phone and never called again. Now, police did trace the call but could not find the man. So I guarantee you it went back to a payphone. And if you can find a working payphone nowadays, there's a mobster somewhere within, I'd say, 100 feet. Airports. <laughs> True. I didn't think about that. It's about the only place I could think of. But if you got a foreign man coming into town. Might need to call somebody because, but his phone won't work. True. So, pay phones and mo- I mean, uh, foreign foreign dudes and mobsters hanging out in airports together. Yeah, driving big Brohan Cadillacs. <laughs> <laughs> As of December two thousand four, new detectives have been assigned to. You say Brohan. I said Brohan. It's pronounced Braun. I don't care. I say Brohan. You must have seen a movie I've seen. I love the movie The Great White Hype. Yes. That's the only place I've heard it called Brom. I mean, uh, Broham. Well, uh, when they, John Boy and Billy have Ike Turner on, he always calls it a Broham. Ah. As of December 2004, new detectives have been assigned to the case to see if a fresh set of eyes could bring any new leads. Detectives did not find anything at the time in Mary Lou's situation, but detectives did find blood on Mary McGinnis's passenger door, which was open when authorities arrived on the scene. Quote, to date, we have no link or connection between the two cases. That is according to Harris County Sheriff Sergeant James Parker, and this was a quote that he had in a news conference in, De- in December of 2004. Quote, as a coincidental as it seems, we don't think there was a link. Because the gun was left on the scene, it looked like a suicide. But this was definitely not a suicide. End quote. Questions that I found on the interwebs. And I'm going to give you... These are There's some odd ones here, but I'm going to give you some of the top ones, and then I'll hit some of the, the weirder ones. Someone out there said that they think that it was a copycat thing for the alphabet murders, but the alphabet murders were in California. And for those of you that are not familiar with the alphabet murders, wasn't there three? Was it the original was three, and the first name and the last I name? Think there was three. The first name and the last name of the first one started with an A. The first and the last name of the second one started with a B. The first and the last name of the third one was started with a C. And so that's how they got the alphabet murder moniker. But I, I mean, that's a stretch. I don't know. And and the fact that you're going to get two within three days of each other, I don't, I don't know. Now, there was another one, and this guy's username was Troy-esque. 
I just think maybe it could provide something. Her attacker's voice, perhaps, that might jog a memory. He's talking about the phone call they've not released. The area she was attacked slash her car was found in, 290 in West Little York, is a pretty populated, busy area, and this would have been broad daylight on a Sunday. He can't believe, and this is what he says, I can't believe nobody saw or heard anything, which is a good point. I mean, if he's from the area, he would know how busy that area is on a Sunday. So, And then uh, Robin Warder from the Trail Went Cold podcast stated, I do believe the theory that Mike hired a hitman to murder his wife, but that they murdered the wrong Mary Morris by mistake. I used to wonder why Mike would be so stupid as to communicate with his wife's killer on her cell phone after she was murdered, but I have my own theory about why he did this. Since Mary's gun was the actual murder weapon and it was left behind at the scene, police suspect that there was a sloppy attempt to make her death look like a suicide, which obviously did not pan out. I think that after the hitman killed the wrong Mary Morris, Mike probably thought that making his wife's death look like a suicide would draw less attention to the case. When he called the killer on Mary's phone to confirm the job was done, I think Mike was planning to explain the call away by telling police he had made a failed attempt to talk to his wife to talk his wife out of suicide. The problem with yeah. this, and I mean that does make sense. The problem is Mary managed to call nine one one before she was killed, so the suicide theory doesn't hold water. Mike now had to account for a four-minute call to his wife's cell phone two hours after she was murdered and couldn't come up with a better explanation than, uh, the phone rang for four straight minutes and no one answered. Which, of course, sounds like complete bullshit. But, in spite of the massive screw-ups associated with this crime, everyone responsible has managed to get away with it for over 21 years. I agree. I mean, that's that's some good points from The Trail Went, gone, went Cold. And I think yeah, they... I think at this point, when it comes to the phone call, I mean, we have the technology that we could edit her out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Most definitely, you can isolate anything in the back. And I, and I guess that's my thing. I mean, I feel like, and you don't know, I mean, we don't know what the investigation has entailed, but you would feel like, like I said earlier, that they would have tried to make, con- like new detectives would try to have made contact with the daughter and see if she can recall anything. And then also, like you said, edit that that tape of the 911 call and see if you can pull some things out. Well, I mean, just at least just release something of his voice. Kind of like that uh, couldn't hurt anything. It could only help. Now, this is in response to the trail went cold comment says, I agree. I don't think he realized she made the 911 call until after and therefore came up with, quote, it must be a glitch. I remember this case from Unsolved Mysteries, and it was brought up in the segment that even if he did call and his cell and his phone call went unanswered, it wouldn't register as four minutes on the phone records. It only registers on their reg- records if the call is answered or goes to voicemail. And that's what I was thinking when it was back in 2000. I don't think when cell phones were new, I don't think they could tell you how long you let it ring. Now, this is another follow-up to The Trail Went Cold. This was a Generation Y podcast episode on the Mary Morris killings. And this person says, I just listened to this yesterday. Something I learned is that their opinions are just that, opinions. Take this case, for example. If you listen only to one podcast, according to them, these two women barely look anything alike. I went to the Unsolved Mystery. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say barely. Oh, I do. I agree. I, no, no, no. I agree with you. Middle-aged white women. They're dark-headed. They probably. 
I don't yeah. know. Now, this guy says that he went to the Unsolved Mysteries link, and he's saying they, in his opinion, they look identical. I wouldn't go that far. No, definitely not. But I, do, I wouldn't say they were unsimilar. No, I would say if you don't know who you're looking for, black-haired, middle-aged white woman, or dark. Now, this one is off the actual message boards from sitcoms online, and this one is Anonymous. <laughs> says about the gun why would she yeah why would she ask her husband to put it under the seat for her? he's just giving excuses for why his prints would be found on the gun i find that odd too i mean about the whole thing about i want you to put it under the seat but i grew up around firearms so i don't i mean she could have just wanted him to show her how to use it what i need to do to make it work and but i don't want to touch it unless i have to kind of thing so again it just depends on your background with firearms as to whether or not you're going to be comfortable with someone putting one under your seat or not. Now, this theory is crazy. And so you have to you have to bear with this guy. He did a lot of thinking. And this guy's username is Britt. He said, this is my theory. The first Mary Morris was always the intended target, and they killed the second Mary Morris to impede and throw off the investigation. Uh-huh. Hadn't thought of that. Of course, everyone believes the blo- the botched hitman scenario as is as it is the first scenario you think of when two women named Mary Morris are murdered days apart. But why would a hired hitman not have the exact details of the target and then the day after call the newspaper to admit he got the wrong Mary Morris? It would put the pen of two murders on them if ever found. Of course, if the first Mary Morris was the target all along, the murderer then called the newspapers to say she was not the intended target and subsequently murdered another Mary Morris. It would give the look like a botched hit. That the second Mary Morris was the target and the first was the accident. It would cause the police to... We've got so a professional so good professionally that he came up with this plot to make it look make him look like an idiot. Well, I mean, in that's, order to get away with it. That's what this guy's saying. He said it would cause the police. That's pretty damn genius, honestly. And I didn't even consider that until you said it. This guy goes on and says it would cause the police to focus solely on se- on second Mary Morris's suspects, and they would not focus as much on pos- possible suspects surrounding the first Mary Morris because they would believe she was just an accident. And it oh, does that. That, that, that flips the script completely. His theory holds water because think about it. Everything you read about this, there's nobody saying anything about suspects in Mary Lou's case. And she's the first we one. We need to send this guy a message and just call him a genius. Send him a link to this podcast and be like, bro, we are praising the hell out of you. <laughs> that's pretty. It is pretty ingenious. I, honest to God, I think it's completely changed my mind about what happened. Like, just hearing that. Well, here's the thing. She worked at a bank, and we can chase this for a little bit, and then I've got some other ones that, but this is the best one. Um, she worked at a bank. I, you know, I don't. They could have looked into, or they could not have looked into her, I guess, background is the easy way to say it. But it seems like the husband is, I don't think Jay Morris has anything to do with Mary Mary Lou's murder. I don't think Mary Lou's husband, Jay, just from what I've read in articles and stuff, 
Now, he may be the mastermind behind all of it, and we'll both be like, dang. But she could have had some kind of dealings with somebody at a bank. She could have pissed off the wrong person. She, you know, you see what I'm saying? And they yeah. could have killed her, and then it just the coincidence of... I don't, I don't know. If you go with the bot, if you go with the hitman theory, then like you said, he's such a damn genius that he goes and marries, murders the second one, and looks up because she's having uh, marital problems. But I don't know, man. I don't. The first Mary, Lou, the first Mary Morris, Mary Lou Morris, with her, I believe she was also shot in the head and set on fire. Uh, I know she would, you know, well, you know she was set on fire because her car was burnt and they had to use dental records. But her... Well, you know, she, she was kind of burned up, so I think we could go with that theory. <laughs> My thing with her, whoever killed her wanted to make sure that it was going to be extremely hard to identify the body. I just feel like that setting the, her and the car on fire to the point where there's no identification... I mean, that's some cruel-ass shit. That's not just random murder stuff. Well, I mean, it goes back to that theory that the guy was an actual genius rather than a moron. Right, and he just played he the moron card. Set, he didn't set the second Mary on fire. He left evidence to point towards the husband, and the first Mary got burned beyond recognition. They don't even know how she died. Right. I think I... I, I'm telling you, I think this theory holds a whole lot of water. It does. It does. I do like it a lot. A lot. I like it a lot. On May 20th of 2021, May, uh, Catherine Morris gets on the Unsolved Mysteries message board and says, "Mine." Who is she in relation to the victim? She says, "Second or first? She said, "My name is Katie. I am the daughter of Mary McGinnis Morris, the second one. I would." I would love for Unsolved Mysteries to do a follow-up episode and set some things straight. And you never see another comment from either Unsolved Mysteries or her on the message boards. So she knows something. That's my whole thing. She knows something. And either it's she knows enough stuff to get her dad free and clear of everything, or she knows some things that would put her daddy under the jail, is the way I read that. There's a couple other one on other ones on here that are just kind of crazy, but I don't I don't like the way they do their message board. You have to go all the, you have to scroll to the bottom for the oldest and then work your way up. A lot of them talk about the arrangement word when he says, you know, I had nothing to do with the arrangement of her murder. There's a couple of people on there that says, yeah, that sounds like he had some he actually had something to do with it. Then there's a lot of people saying did they look into the husband and the co-workers transaction transaction accounts to see if there was large sums of money either taken out or put in and then Dwayne's dumb butt Dwayne Young actually gets on here and says something about how he's not now he's the suspect from the job from work right right the nurse and he says okay, so uh, he's dumb enough to get on here and start talking Oh, yeah, and they said he does this like there's a Facebook page he gets on. I couldn't ever find it, but said he gets on here and says, replying to somebody, all right, so Kristen Riley Small says, hi, I've helped solve a few murders and got suspects to tell the truth. 
I have come close to death quite a few times, but I can solve this very easily. If you desire my help, I shall fit you in. You can email me, and she gives an email. And yes, that is my name, but it's also about to change the name I love with an ex's last name that committed suicide. Hope to hear you soon. Hear from you soon. So Dwayne gets on there and says, "Good luck, Kristen, but you do not seem credible. You can email me." And then he gives his email. Oh, that's a that's you're suspecting a murder plot, and you get on a Reddit page or a forum or whatever, and you post your actual email address publicly. Good luck to you, sir. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to change it or delete it. I've never posted my email address publicly that I know of, and I get the weirdest emails of all time. Oh, yeah, me too. Could you imagine? I just... love the one I got where it was like, Coach, we have hacked your computer. We have videotaped not only what you were watching, but what you were doing. And if you don't pay us $5,000, we're going to give it to all your friends and relatives and blah 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 and i was like well tell them to like and subscribe because <laughs> i promise you they all know that i'm the i <laughs> oh that's great now there was a couple other ones that had to do with the 911 recording and they kind of piggyback off what we said it said did the attacker not speak on the 911 recording i know it must be hard to identify someone by their voice on a recorder but surely that's a good starting place also if mary said anything during the attack i'm sure the police do their best but mistakes are made my deepest sympathies goes out to the families and another anonymous poster puts on there there is more than one recording. I am not speaking about any 911 recording. I, of course, I have not heard it. According to Timmy, Katie, and Timmy, people need to learn how to type. According to Timmy, nah. according to Timmy, they have it at this point. <laughs> according to Timmy and Katie, Timmy listened to it provided by detectives in West Virginia in 2007. That is all I know. I made my own recordings in about 2001 or 2002, and detectives listened. I didn't fail any polygraphs for your information. I Oh, this is dumb butt. This is Dwayne. I cooperated fully. Mike did not. Who was he protecting? I did not contact any government agency or TV show to inform anyone that I was going to be arrested. You have libeled me, and you are subject to a lawsuit if my attorney and I decide that route. Enough is enough, little sister Dwayne. And then he goes on to say, I made the recording myself and forwarded it to De Detective Hunter. So I guess he's left, and he's living in West Virginia. And then, then he goes on and says, there's no connection between myself and Mike Morris as far as some joint conspiracy. Re the recordings prove that. I mean, I don't know. The, the other, there's a lot of people who are like, did they bag the, the cell phone? There's surely there's fingerprints on the cell phone. Did they collect fingernail scrapings from Mary McGinnis? Because according to people that have heard that phone call, it sounds like she put up a hell of a fight. I don't know, man. This one's, I do like that one theory. The rest of the ones are like, check their bank accounts. And I'm like, that's that's probably already done. They're going to check bank accounts. They're not stupid. Yeah. I really. Well, some I, of them are, but I'm assuming these guys aren't. I really do like that one theory, though. I mean, I think he's spot on that it could, that could be the whole thing. Well, I mean, 
just yeah, just think about that. The fact that the the body was the first body was burned beyond recognition. You couldn't tell a you couldn't tell a cause of death. You call the paper or whatever and say, "Hey, that was the wrong lady. My bad." And then you kill another one. It takes you three you, days to find another Mary Morris. You leave a gun in the car with the husband's prints on it. Maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe not. Maybe he got lucky in that situation. And maybe he did get lucky in that situation. But then the the husband actually makes that phone call and lets it ring for four minutes because he's concerned about his wife. Yeah, that's and, not that's not completely far fetched. I know you don't want to believe it because you wouldn't do it, but no, 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 no. Would. I'm not saying that. I want to know. Someone needs to explain to me how did they come up with, where did they come up with this four minutes from? I know they're going to say the phone company, but like I said, I don't think back then when cell phones first started that they logged. Well, I guess they might have. I thought you didn't get charged until it was connected. Because the, the whole mi- going over the minutes and then remember unlimited minutes and stuff like that. I thought you were only charged w- when it connected. I, that, I, that I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't. So I guess that's that's my biggest hang up on the phone call. But I don't know. I'm just saying, man, it's, it's just, to me, it holds a whole lot of water. Well, I think it's more conceivable if you think about it. If Let's just chase that. Let's say she is the intended target. She dies. You you call saying uh, they got the wrong Mary. That gives you three days to find another Mary Morris. Now and back, yeah, he could have went out. And I mean, this is two thousand. I mean, there's going to be phone books. Yeah, it's October, so it's just after nine eleven. No, it's two thousand, not two thousand one. That's right. Sorry. So it's before nine eleven. So finding stuff on the internet about people is probably going to be a lot easier and it's not going to raise as much suspicion. Now everybody's watching what people search for. So it could have been easy to find another. Well, here's the other thing though. You probably, if you go and get a Houston phone book, Mary Morris is probably a pretty common name. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he probably just pointed to one. Right. And then he lucked up with the fact that they both had dark hair. Yeah. That's really, I mean, that's a good, that's a better theory. I like those chances better than I do the police stating that these are two random crimes. Oh, I don't think they're random at all. I mean, what are the odds in a city of two million? I mean, I guess it could happen. We've discussed crazier things. And really, this is, I I don't know. It would be. This is a short little case. I didn't think that we would have a lot of content, but man, we have, we have. I mean, I I like that theory though, man. I really do. I'm like you. I I like that. I mean, I wouldn't say that I like it, but I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go crazy and just be like, man. I like the fact that that son of a bitch killed him. No, I like the fact I like the fact that the guy that made that theory was smart enough to come up with it. Hell, he could be the killer. He could be. He could be telling his story. Yeah, twenty years later, be like, man, they ain't never gonna believe me anyway. 
So I'm just going to tell him. That's probably a terrible Texas accent, so forgive me. Yeah, that's true. It probably is. You probably offended people. I've only people. been to Austin. Austin. A few times. I've been there twice. I competed there for the first time. We drove 13 hours. I competed and was submitted in 53 seconds. And the way jiu-jitsu works, you have to place in your division that go to the the open open class. Yeah. They placed top four. I had five people in my bracket, and the guy that I had, I had the pigtail match, and he won double gold. Dang. Yeah. 53 seconds, 13-hour drive. We flew the next time, and I, I placed double <laughs> silver. <laughs> <laughs> much better outcome there coach yeah let us know what you think about the new theory that we we found and then uh what your thoughts are on the mary morris murders but the comment i wanted to get to <laughs> before we get into recommendations was mr hartline said that he almost wrecked his truck in texas when you threw in your wieners on the glass comment <laughs> he said i don't know don't if do it. <laughs> I watched that movie. I hope that wasn't too loud. I watched that movie last night. He said, I don't know if I any. Found on, uh, I found it on HBO Max. He said, I don't know if anybody else got that reference. Wainers on the glass at the Alano Club. That's no good. That's no good. Here's a funny story. Like, okay, the movie we're talking about is Varsity Blues. If nobody, If somebody don't know that. And there's a line in it that I quoted. I was coaching football, and I was in the booth talking to the um, offense, offense coordinator, offensive line coach, head coach. Well, the head coach gets mad, and he throws his head, he throws his uh, his his headset off so he can't hear me, and he's yelling at somebody. And I went, "Kim, we're going to eat his ass. Watch this." <laughs> <laughs> they started laughing so hard that they couldn't stop even when the head coach put his headset back on and he knew exactly who did that he, he was like coach you shut your damn mouth like, <laughs> <laughs> one of the greatest football movies of all time i would rank it I can't remember. We did. Yeah, we did rank movie. it. I think we all ranked it. I can't it. remember what I put it at. I think it might have been number two because I know for a fact the program's my favorite football movie of all time. Yeah, yeah. That movie's amazing. If you had, if you get a chance to watch it, do it. But yeah, it's uh, that is a great, great, great thing. But anyway, all right. So uh, recommendations. Dave, <laughs> you go know That's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, problem, man. <laughs> oh, all right. Strip club, man. I'm here to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, my recommendation is going to be uh, listen to the Generation Y podcast episode on this Mary Morris one, and then also the episode on Trail Went Cold. And um, I'm sure they give you a lot more facts than we did, but they're not going to give you the old head scratcher theory that we gave you. So let they them. Ain't going to give you varsity blues quotes either. No, and let them know. Say, hey, them two idiots in that basement come up with a hell of a theory. No, we we didn't. We read a theory. That's okay. <laughs> Tell them we come up with it. I'll sell it. <laughs> 
we read a theory off the internets. We're not the research uh, gods that you might think we are. No, we're by far not. Considering, I'll tell you what I did 100%. I just watched the Unsolved Mystery segment. That's it. I watched it twice in a week. boy. What's your recommendation there, Slappy? I'm going to recommend a movie called Varsity Blues. If you ain't ever seen it, you're doing yourself an injustice. If you've never seen it and you were a football fan, good God. I don't know how you haven't seen it. All right. I'm going to recommend. I'm not recommend. I'm going. I I don't have any recommendations, but I'm going to tell a story. And just when you think that the world's going to shit and there's not any good people left on this planet, I'm going to tell you something. I was coming back from Arkansas on Saturday about lunchtime. Yeah, I would like to mention the fact that I did not under any circumstances even know about this trip. I could have went. We could have hung out. We could have went to West Memphis. We could have done all these things. But no, you're like, hey, man, I'm in, I'm in Arkansas. Like, <laughs> no, you're not. I am. <laughs> and then you see me pictures of the duck. Did you kill any ducks? 27. Did you give me any meat? Uh, no, because we hunted with five people. Well, what the hell does that mean? That means that I didn't... Twenty-seven is more than five. Well, I understand that, but I didn't get any of the meat. So you can just calm yourself. Duck season's not over. I'm going to get you some duck, all right? So just calm down with yourself. You went all the way to Arkansas and you didn't get to bring home any meat? <sighs> Here we go. You special kind of stupid, ain't you? I am. I am. I'm one of them our uh, winter lickers. Now, look, <laughs> moron, we couldn't have hung out because the air temperature was 18 degrees all the time while we were there. So there wouldn't have been no hanging out. I'm insulated, bro. Well, that's true, but you'd have froze your little natters off. It would look like a coach's whistle laid up on a pair of uh, pecans. All right, so back to my good feel-good story. You done hijacked it. I, oh, I'm sorry. coming back, across the Mississippi State Line into Alabama, my truck decides that it's had enough, and it explodes in ignition coils, shoots the spark plug through the fender well, and all the dash lights come on, and so I pull over on the side of the road. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means, but it does sound bad. Yeah, so I tried to start it up again, and when I did, it was like I had blown God knows what. So I was like, yeah, I probably don't need to do that again. So I Google towing service. First one that pops up on Google is LNK 24-7 Roadside Service LLC in Cherokee, Alabama, off of Marjoram Road. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, when I tell you this, this man is a saint. He answers the phone tells me he's coming back from Muscle Shoals. And basically where Cherokee's at, it's just over the state line in West Alabama, and you're headed east going towards Muscle Shoals. So he's coming back from Muscle Shoals, and he goes, where are you at? And so I tell him, he said, man, you're not but like three to five miles from my shop. He said, I'm in my work truck. I got to go get my rollback. I'll be back. So as he's approaching, like maybe five, ten minutes later, he calls me back. He says, hey, man, that's me right there. And he honks the horn. He said, I'll be right back. So he comes back with his rollback. We get the truck on there. Sure enough, just down the road, maybe two miles is his shop. He said, what are you wanting to do? 
I said, well, I'm pretty sure I know how to try to fix it. I don't know if it's going to fix it. And he said, well, where do you want me to take you? I said, well, you can just take me to the auto zone or whatever. I said, I'll get the parts there and work on it in the parking lot. And he said, no, 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 man. He said, I've been working out in the cold all day. I got a shop. You can work on it there. And I was like, okay. So we get to his shop. Uh, he parks the rollback, goes inside, comes back out, throws me the keys to his work truck and says, I got a cash account in Iuka, Mississippi, which is back across the line at the O'Reilly. He said, put it on there. It'll save you some money. Man, he didn't know me from Adam, and he's tossing me his work truck keys, lets me drive his work truck and use his, you know, his business account at a parts store. So I go do all of that. I buy the parts, drive back. He's fixing a tire on a, a phone truck, so they roll it out, roll my truck in. He gets me a work lot, a socket set, and a wrench, and lets me fix it, charges me $40 for everything. Wow. That's pretty amazing. It is, man. I mean, it really, and I told him, like, I guess it's the fact that, you know, my son was with me, but he's, it was a younger guy. And by younger, I mean, he's probably in his mid, early to mid thirties, super nice guy, great sense of humor, just a solid guy. So if you are ever in West Alabama, you ever need something, you need a tow truck, look those boys up at L and K 24 seven roadside service and uh, they're good. I mean, you know, being from the South, if you're from the South, you'll understand what I'm about to say. They're good people. They really are. I mean, he could have easily just raked me over the coals being on the weekend, but he didn't, man. He did not, and I am truly grateful. I did not tell him that I was <laughs> – I had a podcast that probably was not a good idea at the time. <laughs> I was worried about getting my truck fixed, but I am definitely going to give him a shout-out on our social media. I'm going to tag – he has a Facebook page. LNK 24-7 Roadside Service, LLC. Go out there and show that boy some love. He is a great guy, man. His name's Logan. So, Logan, if you ever happen to listen to this, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. We made it home because of you. All right. Just in time to record with me. That's right, baby. Just in time. I could have experienced that with you if only you would have asked me. Well, here's the thing. And I, no. I have this. No I had... Yeah, it is, because I had this argument with my son. What we need to take to go hunting for that period of time, it's just barely enough room for me and him to sit in the truck. The back seats are packed. The bed of the truck's packed. So I don't know where you would have sat. You could have followed along, I guess, and then you could have... his lap. <laughs> Sleeping would have been a bitch. I'm just giving you a hard time, man. I would have been miserable. <laughs> you, you truly would have because it didn't get above freezing for three straight days. Because first of all, I don't hunt to begin with. And I don't like the cold. I mean, I do, but not that cold. Yeah, it was a little so, chilly. Yeah, I'd have been miserable completely. But we are... I am. We I'm are. Like, let's go to a brewery. <laughs> you guys ever been to a brewery? <laughs> They're nice and warm. <laughs> and uh, they got beer, man. <laughs> I oh, am. Beer. I am looking to uh, for us to go do the uh, Arkansas Four Corners of the State tour, either in spring break or right at the beginning of summer vacation. So let's do it. You know, what's crazy about Arkansas is how close the West is. As soon as you cross West Memphis, 
into West Memphis, like that murder site's like right there. Yeah, I mean, you come over the bridge. I want like first exit. Yeah, there's the Blue Beacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to the Memphis, the Bill Street Music Festival in April, and I'm going to have to go to West Memphis. There's Just not out of morbid curiosity. Go in the daylight because there's not a lot of stuff to look at at night. And tell Terry Hobbs to kiss my ass. That's right. <laughs> All right, Coach, you got anything else? No, man, it's a pretty long episode. This is this is. I thought it was a good one. I do too. I think I it think was a good been one. Slacking a little lately. Yeah, we had some short ones, but I think this one. I think this we're redeeming ourselves. Yeah, we gotta keep this positivity up. I told you, to, you know, keep that energy, and you did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, deuces.